Welcome to the OMR Podcast, where we go inside the minds of the biggest names in digital. I'm Scott Peterson, and I am an editor at OMR. In today's episode, we're talking sustainable fashion with Marcus Butler and Stephanie Giesinger. Stephanie won Germany's Next Top Model in 2014 and has been a mainstay on the German influencer scene ever since, while Marcus is a UK-based podcaster, radio host, and first and foremost, a very successful YouTube personality. Stephanie and Marcus sat down with OMR founder Philip Westermeyer to discuss their latest endeavor, sustainable fashion brand New In. The trio touched on the genesis of the project, what they hope to achieve with New In, and how they hope to leverage the respective platforms to grow their business. The OMR Podcast with Philip Westermeyer starts now. Buzz. Hi. Hi. Hello. <laughs> where, are you, where are you at these days? Well, we're in Berlin. I'm on the couch upstairs. Marcus is downstairs, so the sound is good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So I'm chilling on the couch. Where are you actually, Marcus? Are you in the dressing room or in the... Yeah, I'm, I'm sat in the dressing room. This is definitely the most unique podcast I've situation i've ever done because of the situation so yeah do you, do you live in berlin together well uh, i think that's a difficult question um we're actually having a distant relationship so marcus is living in london i'm living in berlin but because of corona we are now already for two months here in berlin in the flat mm-hmm um but yeah i live in berlin he lives in london okay okay i, ho- I hope the flat is large enough but it seems like it <laughs> i actually can hear that uh, dryer the washing machine <laughs> can you can you turn off the washing machine <laughs> oh my god is it going off I, i've got noise cancelling i can't even hear. oh god it's going off i'm so i'm so sorry what, what it's okay that, that makes a podcast authentic that's what we need that's exactly what we need um, Thank you, so, Marcus. So sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just start off. I mean, everybody knows Stephanie's story. I think it's you know the the the, the public story at least started 2014, winning um, Germany's Next Top Model. The show. Um, how did you start out, Marcus? I mean, I think like probably most of our listeners in the German market at least they don't know you quite that well. Sure. Um, so I'm kind of like one of the original YouTubers, I guess you could call it that. I was uploading videos to YouTube from a very young age. From I learned to edit videos um, from creating mixtapes of my favorite basketball players when I was 14. And then this led to me putting myself in front of the camera when I was 17. And this was back in 2009. So this was kind of a long time ago before influencing became a thing, before you could earn money on YouTube. And I became part of a generation that kind of pioneered the content on YouTube. And it's funny because me and Steffi were speaking about this earlier. Germany was always one of my like fourth or fifth biggest uh, viewerships on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if this was because it's such a big nation they were maybe watching my videos to learn english or something like this but when we two actually came together it was quite funny because a lot of my fans at the time who were german obviously knew steffi so they found that it was such a coincidence that we'd come together um but yeah i kind of how did it happen how did you come i mean where did you meet (laughs) do you want to tell it (laughs) no you can tell it i can tell it okay so instagram did a trip 
um, to the Ampha Gala in France, in Cannes. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, Marcus was invited from England. I was invited from Germany and we met on this trip. We sat on one table and I guess, yeah, Marcus lied his eyes on me. (laughs) (laughs) I was, (laughs) I was, um, yeah, yeah. Maybe you can tell it, Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, she, she set it up. So, yeah, we went on this trip to Amphar Gala and Steffi was there. They Instagram took people from all over the world. They took me from the UK. They took Steffi from Germany. And, yeah, we, so we met at this event and I had a massive crush on her. She didn't have a massive crush on me. So we just spent the evening hanging out, getting to know each other. And then... Um, at the end of the night we just exchanged phone numbers and then we just started to speak to each other when i was back in london she was in berlin and then yeah it was like that for a few months and then we moved to actually seeing each other in real life i took the trip to berlin okay so so you especially stephanie you owe everything to instagram now not not only your your career but also your your business career but also your your relationship That's funny. I mean, we know the people who are working for Instagram and they're literally like, okay, you're going to call your baby Instagram, right? And they're <laughs> like, uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, but so, so you started out as a YouTuber and then did you like change your content over the years quite a bit? I mean, what we can see from you today is that a lot, I mean, it seems like it's a lot different from putting basketball videos on there. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, you know, I always say... I uploaded videos to YouTube over a 10-year period from the age of 27, uh, from the age of 17 to 27. And when you think of how much you change as an individual over that time period, it's natural that your content would change on YouTube. So I did everything from daily vlogs on YouTube to comedy sketches. I had a gaming channel at one point. Um, I kind of collaborated with a lot of different people in the space. I had a podcast for three years. Uh, I had a book. I've done all those things that um, a typical YouTuber sort of moves into. And then I also discovered a passion for, I guess, fashion in the last sort of two years and started to move more in that space through Instagram and the things that we're now doing. So that's kind of a bit of my transitional journey, I guess. Was that inspired by, by Stephanie? The fashion stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, not like so much the fashion stuff, but I think just the having the confidence to be able to change online because changing online is, you know, you when you put yourself online, people remember you for however you've presented that version of yourself online. So it was quite a journey for me over a long period of time to become confident in myself to actually change into what I want to do rather than feeling like I had to post mm-hmm. videos for what people knew me for, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and, but it, I mean, it was always your profession, right? I mean, you did, you, that was basically from, from very young age, you did that as a career job, as, as, as your full-time job, right? Yeah. So I, I wanted to go to university to study business and marketing. Um, but at the time I got a job, I became a software salesman when I was 19 and I thought, well, I'm learning everything I wanted to learn about business through this job. So I said no to university. And at the time I was just doing YouTube as a, as a hobby on the side. Um, so I was doing this job for three years whilst hustling away and doing YouTube in my spare time, trying to grow an audience. And then when I decided I wanted to 
try and do YouTube full time, I, you know, I said no to this job. And I think my parents were a bit scared because I'd turned university down. I had this good job that I turned all of a sudden wanted to quit. Um, but you know, I feel like those were the right decisions now. And I'm thankful that I did those decisions then. I mean, my, my feeling is like the way Stephanie grew as a, as a, as a, as a social media star, as a, as a real lifestyle, you know, it's, it's the same in the end. Um, it's, it's like, it was inspired by TV quite a bit. And then by the very beginnings of Instagram, very good timing, very interesting content, very good story. Is that, is that a correct summary? I mean, Stephanie, I believe you didn't like really use tactics or strategies in the beginning. You just did what you wanted to do and you were just you know, living your life and that, you know, had had a very good, you know, moment for you that you grew so big or did you really like strategize much of it? No, there was no strategy. I was very young. I was 16 and I had Instagram um, from 2011, I believe. And I won Germany's Next Top Model 2014 exactly. So I was posting every day, I think quite similar to every other person in my age because Instagram was just becoming big and um yeah i was just enjoying it and i was sharing a big part of my life and i guess i was at the right time at the right place and that really helped me in my career mm -hmm. but with marcus what you just sounded like you were more strategic about it. i mean you had to probably work harder in the early years already to get, to get an audience because you didn't have the tv power behind you and you didn't have this this natural fit and is that true i mean did you really like start tactics earlier i mean like i was i call myself like a second generation youtuber so you you had the, the generation before me who were the first ever people to sort of upload a video blog on the internet and then it was people like me who were watching these people and then we you know we sort thought that was cool and then thought oh, i want to give this a go too and we just happened to be in the right place at the right time when you know google started to serve ads on youtube and Uh, all of a sudden, you started to become a bit of a brand and you started to build a following. And once you started that snowball effect, because there was a lot of hustling, you know, I was doing videos for three years when they weren't getting any views. And it just got to a point when something, I don't know, right time, right place. I don't know really what happened. And then this boom just happened. And from there, it kind of snowballed and yeah it just started to work for me and some of my friends at the time what was the turning point now was there like a certain video or a certain new new element on youtube or like a certain thing that you did that that really like turned the, everything around yeah I'd, i'd probably say it was collaboration so the generation of youtubers that i come from we were the first guys who really pushed the collaboration model so we we sort of we were friends hanging out doing the same type of thing and that brought us together anyway because you know at the time back then uploading videos to youtube 10 years ago you're a bit of a weirdo like it wasn't a normal thing um so we sort of connected over that and then we just were like why don't we start making videos together because it's more enjoyable you 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 know the content's more fun to film if you're doing challenges or whatever it's more fun and at the same time you can cross pollinate and share an audience and We, we tried it, it's, it worked. And then there was a sort of a group of about six of us. So we all started to just grow and collaborate and hang out all the time, make videos. We went on tours. We toured around, you know, in the UK, around parts of America. So I'd probably say it was the collaboration part for us that really started that rise. 
How about in in the fashion game, Stefanie? I mean, I noticed from an outsider perspective that there's also a lot of collaborations going on. I mean, you've been together with other influencer uh, people like from Germany in your early days. You it looks like you build up other followerships. Um, is, how do you think about collaboration? Well, I think collaboration is very. It's very good because you can always help other people and other people can help you. And it's actually nice because it's a people's business. So it's like having friendships and just enjoying the time together while you're actually building a business and growing a business together. But that was never in my head, I guess, because I was so young and I was never business orientated. I never thought of, oh, my God, I need to take a picture with this person or I'd like to do a collaboration with this person. It was more very authentic. And I was just posting pictures with my friends who happened to be influencers as well. But do you feel like today when somebody is with you, you look at how many followers they have and who shares what and who profits more and who profits less? Um, is that something that's in your head when you meet people you know, in a, around the platform? <laughs> Yeah, so I think this person has five million followers. I want to be in that. No, no, it's not. <laughs> this is not how my brain works. And to be honest, I know that many people are tactical in that kind of sense. And there's nothing wrong with that because it is a business in the end. But um, yeah, for me, it's, I don't know, I, I couldn't bring this before a personal relationship. And I, no, I don't know. It is a hard topic. It is a very interesting topic. And I'm not that type of person who is trying to strategically um, getting into a relationship with people who have a lot of followers. No. But it seems like this is like going on all over the place. I mean, if I look through Instagram, I always <laughs> like find that there's like art relationships growing that might seem inspired, that seem inspired by by you know somebody profiting from somebody else yeah yeah i I, th i think you have it in like any creative industry even if you take a look at music you'll have people collaborating on songs who for sure are not friends of each other but their labels might have come together and gone yo mm -hmm. guys this will be really good you've got a big audience here you've got and they do it but on the contrary you also might have two musicians who genuinely are friends and have a really good relationship and then they make a song because of that reason you know i think it's kind of the same in any uh, creative industry where you you have things like that mm -hmm. That's true. okay um and i mean you two seem to be collaborating quite successfully as well right i mean uh, <laughs> is that i mean did, did like one of you grow i mean i i believe marcus you must have grown quite a bit on instagram quite since since stephanie has, has at least in germany has always like put you in her stories and everything <laughs> Yeah, I pay her a really good fee. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. No, actually not. I mean, that's that's always. It's so weird because when we're at home, this is not us, the people who are on the outside, you know, and not the people who have the big amount of following on Instagram. So we sometimes think about it, talk about it, and laugh about it. But it's not that Marcus profited of my career or I profited of his career. I don't believe so. I think it was very weird for our fans um, who knew me and who knew Marcus before our relationship when they saw us dating. That was like very interesting for them, I guess. But 
I don't really think that we changed each other's careers. Do you think so, Marcus? No, I think we're we're just in a really lucky position where we both understand each other's careers because there's aspects from both of them that are similar. And I think that's what has helped with understanding each other's situations um, and why we can be so open about it because, you know, we've both experienced similar situations. So um, I think it helps, if anything. Okay. I mean, just to get an impression, Marcus, if you walk around in Berlin, is that going to be like a situation immediately where people come to you and want to take a picture and like point the finger and that this is Marcus? Or is that only happening in London? Um, to be honest, no, like not really um, in Germany. And also in London, I find, I actually find when you go to like major cities in the world, like London, New York, places like that, these cities are so... Uh, populated with people who are constantly uh, never stopping there's you know people go to these cities because they're working non-stop they draw those types of people there I find it's when you go to sort of towns that are smaller outside of those places that more people seem to recognize you same as Steffi like of course people mm -hmm. in Berlin know who she is but it's not like the same as if you go to her hometown or you go to like a smaller German town where a lot more people there seem to know who you are. If Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Saying I mean, that, it like that. Yeah. And, and do you do uh, like corporations with brands as well together? I mean, do, is there major brands that, that try to like ask both of you to work for them? I mean, I mean, I know that you're going to talk about that in a second, that you have launched your own brand now, your own company, but there must be a time before that when you worked for, for brands quite a lot. And did you like, you know, sort of like appear there as a couple? Yeah, there were a few times where we worked together. We worked together for L'Oreal, for Dolce Gabbana. We walked for them together quite a couple of times. Um, but other than that, no. And I think we never did a cooperation on Instagram together with a brand. It was always just like physically or as a model. Um, no, that was never really the case. Mm -hmm. what, what's what's the biggest brands or the biggest partners you had previous to the um, to, to your own company? What was the biggest single brand that you worked for all over the over over all the years, uh, Marcus and Stephanie? Well, Do you want to so, go first, or I? I'm trying to think. It's a it's a hard question to answer in terms of brand recognition, like. I mean, yeah, I've worked with Nike. Steffi works with Nike. L'Oreal, she mentioned that in terms of brands being well-known, I think those those guys are probably up there. Um, yeah, I, I kind of, I'm not trying to do one-off jobs. Um, that feels a little bit unauthentic to me. Like the longer I do this job, the more I just want to build partnerships and big relationships so i do work with nike quite tightly for three years already and with l'oreal and with mercedes and um now we do our own brand which is hopefully the biggest out of all <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um I, ha i have my own skincare which is called moi um so yeah we're i feel like we're concentrating more on like 
big partnerships and actually building up own brands. Okay, let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, your own brand. That's that's the that's the big new thing. Um, how did that start? And, and I mean, obviously, it's something that's been seen before in this whole space. I mean, there's people starting with Kylie Jenner and and others internationally that that have you know realized they have such immense uh, uh, reach, uh, you know, traffic that they can create. They can basically sell everything they want. Um, how did it start for you? So I started with my own skincare and that was two years ago now. Um, the decision for that came because I was well aware of that I can sell things that because of people, yeah, they trust me and I'm like an idol for some people. Um, so I was like, that's actually so cool that I can create my own products and I can decide how they look, what's inside of them and like, bring all the attributes in there that are important to me um, rather than just advertising a brand that doesn't have anything to do with me that just pays me for a one-off job. And I think many influencers will start to do their own brands now, which is, I think, a quite smart move. But you did, did did somebody approach you and, and suggest to do that together? I mean, you don't. I mean, usually as a as a you know as a person that puts out content on Instagram, you you don't have the resources to start a company that actually like create a product. You need partners for that, or do you? Did you start everything by yourself? No. So it it was a yeah. funny timing because like we wanted to do uh, a unisex brand together probably about a year ago, and we were trying to find a partner who could help us because, like you said. You know, you want to go into set a business up in this industry. Of course, you're going to need help and expertise in those areas that you may not have that experience. And so we really weirdly through one of my friends got introduced to a guy called Mike, who essentially is the the founder of New In. And he kind of bought this vision and initial concept to us. And then we just kind of realized that, yeah, we could come together here and create like a much bigger thing than we ever originally wanted to do. And that's kind of how we got into it. You know, we've built a team that have, we've got so much experience from all the different areas of the business that we have never had experience in. And we've got a team now of 20, just uh, 21 now. And yeah, we just launched the other day and it's super exciting, but. And, and about how many parts or like how many percentage of the companies do you actually own then? I mean, that's, is, is that like basically everything is yours and the partner, the, the, the founder is just a small shareholder or is, or is it his company and you're just a little bit um, uh, participating in the company? Yeah, so we're all um, co-founders in the company. We have a few different co-founders. We've got Mike, you've got me, you've got Poppy, who's our creative director, um, obviously Steffi. So it's kind of like um, it's built up of of a team of of co-founders. Okay, okay, and yeah. some bring the in industry expertise, and you bring the reach, basically. Yeah, exactly. exactly. We're, we're equal shareholders, and that's also one thing that I would advertise to any influencer or to any person, to be honest, who wants to start a brand. You have to trust and find the right people for every part of the brand. Because you can't be like, okay, I can do it all myself and I know exactly how it works. I'm just going to find 
um, the place where it can be produced and that's it. But, you know, knowledge is key. And of course, Marcus and I, we know that we don't know everything, especially not in this industry. It's so hard. Like people are studying for this for, I don't know, five years. So um, it was vital for us to have someone like Mike, who's our CEO. What, what's going to be the core product? I mean, if you, if you like people like hearing about new in for the first time, what, what's going to be the, the, the one key product that stands for the brand? Is it a white t-shirt or blue? <laughs> what is it? No, it's fashionable clothes. It's, it's sustainable, fashionable clothes. So for us, it's very important. We love fashion and we want fashion to be fashionable and like trend orientated. Uh, but we really care for our planet. We care for our environment and the fashion industry is shifting at the moment. Um, because the fashion industry can't ignore the fact anymore that um, the textile industry is the second most polluting industry in the whole world. And um, yeah, we're basically just focusing on trend-orientated clothing that is sustainable. Yeah, but, mm -hmm. the, the goal with it was to make basically sustainable fashion accessible because a lot of people uh, either aren't aware about sustainable fashion or they have high price points with it. So we really wanted to make it accessible for people. Mm -hmm. Okay, but isn't that like in a way? I always ask myself that question, not only with focus on you, but in general. I mean, sustainable fashion, like coming from a fashion company, is like it's sort of like hindering its own business, right? I mean, if somebody uh, buys a sustainable jeans and then he doesn't buy any further jeans for the next couple of years, this is not going to be good for the company, right? So, <laughs> so you have to like you're sort of like you know uh, disrupting your own business in, in, in the midterm if you if if you sell sustainable well, things. Yeah, I think I think it's more like we live in a consuming society where people are are buying things and people are always going to be buying clothes and people are going to want new clothes. So it's like if we can be the source for those people to come to when they do want to spend money on clothes, knowing that the impact of the production on those clothes has a minimal impact on the planet versus going to other typical brands where they have a much higher impact on the planet. That's what we're trying to achieve here. Um Yeah, if you look at all the fast fashion brands, they're going through the roof. Still, they do. And people just love to consume. People love to consume fashion. And we are living in a trend-orientated society. So that's that won't change. And even if you will t tell people, okay, buy less clothes, buy less everything, that won't really happen. Because our economy, everything is built on consumption. And it's just about how do we change that in the direction of, okay, let's make less harm to the planet. For example, if I can give an example, if you take a normal T-shirt, you need 2,700 liters to produce one T-shirt or 10,000 liters of water for one pair of jeans. And when you use recycled materials, you can reduce that um, up to 95%. And those are big numbers. And if you think of it in a big scale of, like Primark, as to name an, as an example, we could make a big, big change if the whole fashion industry shifts in that direction. Have you ever, both of you ever worked for like a fast fashion company for, for H&M or Zara, Primark? Have you ever done that before? I definitely have worked. And I have to say, I wasn't really aware of environment, environmental issues like two or three years ago. It really start hit, started to hit me like last year in the beginning of last year I had 
quite of a hard year for me. It was an interesting year because I started to realize who I am and I was like questioning myself, questioning my um, my function as a role model. And I was just like, what is it actually that I'm doing? I guess I became a woman. I, bet, I guess I grew up last year. <laughs> okay. And um, that was the part when I switched over and I was like, I actually want to be much more aware of what I support, what I do, and um, also what I advertise. So you, so you wouldn't go back, and and if if, they, if Primark or somebody like that came out again, you <laughs> you'd, you'd you'd probably not be available. I think that would be quite hypocritical, won't it? Yeah, yeah, no, okay. That. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, did, I mean, in, in Germany at least, we see like a lot of collaborations between um, major e-commerce platforms, Zalando, about you. And influencers even building their own brands. I talked to Lena Gerke a couple of months ago in the podcast. Um, she's doing that with About You. Um, why didn't you cooperate with a major e-commerce platform? That is still the plan. Ah. Um, we yeah yeah we still want to work with retailers. I think that's um, one thing. If you want your brand to be successful and as big as possible, and also if you have a mission and vision like we have with our sustainability ethos. If you want to make it big, you have to cooperate with other big retailers and with other giants in this big fashion space. And we want to be a good example. You know, we want actually other fashion brands to copy us. And we're very open and transparent. If anyone asks us, how do you do that? But how can you make your um, sustainable clothing affordable? We're very happy to open up our books because for us in the first place, it really is that we have our mission and a vision here that we actually want to shift the fashion industry in the right direction. Mm -hmm. I imagine like you and the, and the founder team have, you must have created some sort of a business plan before you, everything started. Like, just take me a little bit in, into this business plan. Do you think like, like next 12 months, you're going to be able to like, I don't know, do five or 10 million in revenue already? Or is it going to be a, mm -hmm. a long time away or what, what, what's your, what's your thinking? So <laughs> before coronavirus, <laughs> um, we for sure had had targets in place. Um, but look, the coronavirus situation has affected us internally. It's affected the whole planet, mm -hmm. the whole economy. So it's really hard to actually predict what we're going to be achieving. Um, but, you know, we, we still launched <laughs> in a global pandemic because we felt it was the right thing to do with all the work that we've put into it and the response that we had to our launch was fantastic. It was really, really genuinely amazing. Um, so yeah, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to answer, but of course there's a business plan. There's, there's targets that are set. There's, there's numbers that will have to be um, hit, but you know, that's part of the journey. It's part of the process. And yeah, hopefully we can still, find success in a global pandemic <laughs> okay. i mean i understand that's very you know unusual circumstances for everybody um but just to, you know get, get a feeling like if you really push it hard with both of your accounts and you really like promote something i imagine i mean you're selling like stuff that costs uh, like what's what's a what's a, what does a typical item cost um uh, a typical new in item Anything from 19 euros to 89 euros. So let's say average 50 euros. So mm -hmm. can can you drive like a, a million euros in revenue in a day? Is that possible if you really like push something? 
I mean, that that would be amazing. <laughs> but it's but it's, um, it's it's realistic. I think it's realistic. Yeah. Wow. I do. Wow. I, I, I think I think it's um it's realistic at a different time though. So at, at what level of brand awareness you have because you got to think so much of what we're trying to do is build brand awareness because we've just put a new brand into the world. A lot of people need to uh, be drawn into that brand. They need to understand that brand. They need to see what the clothes are like. We have a reputation to build in that part before we have instant trust in that brand, you know? Mm -hmm. So for sure, at some point, I think we would love to be able to, to drive something like that. Are you going to work with, um, offline businesses as well as I mean, is it mostly going to be sold online through platforms or through your own you know online store or are you going to you know look at partnerships with, with or like even maybe open your own shops yeah i mean it's plan. all that's, yeah. the, that's the plan that is the plan so we do want to have an own shop one day um which will be more like an explore exploring world i want to call it where you can learn about sustainability about fabrics about factories and so on so it won't be just a standalone um normal shop i would say but we do want to work with other offline retailers because that's again another step um, of how you can grow your business and we are in conversations with many many shops and we'll see with who we will then have a relationship Marcus, you've been in, in different industries at different times, I know, but under different platforms. But would you say that across all influencer industries or influencer sectors that you've uh, that you've experienced, uh, like Instagram and fashion on Instagram is probably the most like the best to be in from a business perspective? I mean, is it the most money to be made in, 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 on Instagram and in fashion compared to, let's say, gaming on YouTube or other stuff that you've seen in the past? Oh, um... That's a really tough question to answer. I think in terms of building a brand, uh, if you have a product, working with influencers in the beauty and fashion sector is very appealing. But in terms of gamers, you know, these guys drive huge revenues for themselves through live streams and um, merchandise and, and selling products. So that's a really tough, it's kind of, I almost can't put them in the same conversation. Um, But if I can yeah. be honest, I don't even think that the fashion business, especially for men, is that big. Also not online. I think as a male, you're most likely to, I don't know, build up a big business if you do something else like gaming, like a digital concept. But I feel like the fashion industry is not growing as fast in the male audience. Okay, and is it still growing in the in the female sector? I mean, I mean, you, you are in it in for 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 like almost a decade now. Um, is it has it changed? Has it slowed down a little? Do you feel like it has like everything has sort of established itself, and there's like the dynamic is a little down, or is it still like you know apart from coronavirus, is it still like as dynamic as it was three four years ago? I would say it's still the same um, for women, definitely, because you can see all the other big retailers are still growing, are still doing those big corporations and big influencers still do their um, collections for the retailers. So that's definitely not a market that is sinking. And I don't think it will sink um, soonish because, that, as I said, that's like 
something that people love. It makes them feel good about themselves. Um, I mean, fashion and it is just in consuming business. And I think that, yeah, that won't change in the next few years. I'm quite sure about it. Do you think that your careers would be possible in 2020? I mean, could there be another Stefanie Giesinger like coming out of television and then all of a sudden a couple million followers on Instagram? No. Um, that's impossible today? That I think that is quite impossible today. The dynamic changed in that type of sense. Um, even when we speak about our new in Instagram channel, I mean, it's amazing that we have 46,000 followers now um, just in a couple of days because of Marcus and my push. But I think if that was like four years ago, we would have much, much more followers. But the algorithm changed. There are much, much more users on Instagram now. And there are more influences than ever out there. So that definitely changed. And I think there will be a complete new market soon. Um, and maybe it's TikTok. Who knows? Are you, are you, you know, happening? Are you doing stuff on TikTok? Anyone of you? <laughs> we we've, started, we've experimented. We, tried, <laughs> we experimented. I have to say, I feel old. When I open this app, I'm like, fucking hell, I'm old. What, <laughs> okay. what is this concept? But it is very interesting. It is very entertaining. And I don't want to miss out on this. I don't, you know, I, I have the feeling of missing out. So I will definitely experiment and um, try to do more content on there. Do you see, uh, do you look at like newcomers on Instagram that you see that they're not at, in the millions yet, but they that at least have come up in the past month and have had a had a steady rise or had doing something right on Instagram that you people that you that you look to that you think that could be stars in the future that have like found a new way to approach the platform? I, I think what's happened now is like we we came onto the platforms at, at the beginning of time where there wasn't really many public figures using these platforms whereas now the platforms have kind of segmented into their niches and people fall into those niches and will build followings within those niches and these followers may be smaller followings when you look at their numbers but the engagement is so high there because they're driving this smaller highly engaged following purely on that niche whether it's you know a gardening instagram account or how to fix your bike wheel or something. There's there's now like these niches that are being created for everything. And I think that's where people can experience new growth in those areas. Because like Steffi said, the the influencing world has become so saturated. Every man and their dog is now an influencer. So <laughs> Yeah, but it is also very interesting that uh, especially now while Corona, the fitness content is consumed like crazy so that's definitely something that will grow much much more and um yeah as marcus said i think there are so many niche little spaces and parts also cooking and everything that is quite informative people like to be informed um and not only entertained on instagram that's always a good way and for you is that i mean the the, the long-term future now is that your main profession to to build up um, your new company or is it just like something that you do for the moment and then you'll do, find new stuff and hold the shares and somebody else will be doing the operational business or is it something that you'll be involved in as, a, as an entrepreneur basically for the next years to come on a daily basis? For me as a plan, it's definitely something that I want to be involved in in the next few years as an entrepreneur and that's definitely the, the direction I see myself going. 
Um, but I still have my partnerships, which are very important to me, and I will still work for them. But, you, you know, I think we're shifting right now. And I started as a model, and I'm still a model. But if you look at the typical or the most successful models at the moment, they are big on Instagram and they started because they are big on Instagram. So I think if you have like that kind of following and that support on that side, you can then start off and kind of decide every day what you want to do. So I want to keep open what I want to do in the future. But for now, I want to concentrate on UN, on my own skincare and on the partnerships. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you, Marcus? Yeah. yeah yeah i mean i mean Steffi answered it well look i've i've always been interested in business and i've always set businesses up around everything that i've done you know i've got a music management business i set up i did a healthy subscription snack box um so for me it's always been finding things that i'm passionate about and trying to trying to do something out of that and it now just so happens that we found one in fashion which is hopefully doing something good for the planet as well um so yeah it's kind of it's super exciting right now and i'm i'm loving it because it's the first time i've been involved in a proper startup and having that whole energy and ups and downs that you experience within a startup is one it's a crazy experience um but two i feel like we're also learning so much and who knows what the future holds but for right now it's yeah it's new in it's uh everything else that we've got going on around those things as well is, is there ever a day that you don't go on instagram i mean have every days where you don't visit the platform <laughs> i love your questions honestly they're so good but i have to say i feel addicted to the platform and sometimes that annoys me so much that i leave my phone in another room or I don't even take it with me so I don't take my phone on a trip on the whole day mm -hmm. um, but I wouldn't even say that there is a day where I don't open Instagram it's it's hard for me <laughs> I mean it's it's your, it's, yeah. it's your business right I mean so I mean you know other people go to the office every day so it's I mean I feel like it's it's justified in your position to be there every day I'm just asking I mean it's I'm not I'm not trying to make a point I'm just you know find it interesting um, it's it's your office basically. Yeah, I, I think for sure. But also, we have become so addicted to our phones. Like, you know, I feel if I don't look at my phone for more than an hour or a few hours, you start to get anxious. Like, am I missing things? Because I think how businesses are transforming now as well. Like, so much of our business conversations are are WhatsApp driven. Mm -hmm. So it's like you. It's hard to leave the office, whether that's. Instagram, WhatsApp, like all of these things are now driven through these little technical devices that we carry around with us day to day. So every now and again, and Steffi is much better at this than me, we try and have these days where we don't go on our phones at all. Where, you know, we don't have it next to our bed or, or these types of things. But Steffi's a lot better at that than me. I find that really hard. How many people have access to your account? I mean, I know that like, you know, with major accounts, there's like tons of people helping and, and editing and, and putting pictures in and everything. How is that with you? I mean, you're probably not the only ones um, having access to your accounts. No, it's just us. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> the new in and a crown. No, right? Our personal ones, I mean. Yeah, I mean, the the, the, the large ones. I mean, the, the, the million yeah. people. Yeah. Is it seriously? It's just, just, it's, yeah, yeah, it's just us. 
Yeah, I, I do my content. Honestly. Marcus takes my pictures. I take his pictures of him. And I don't know. I think I wouldn't trust other people into my Instagram account. I don't know. I, I have this Instagram account literally since 2011. Same password. And I, and say <laughs> no i have changed <laughs> um but i just honestly i i feel like that's my world that's my vision that's me being creatively expressing what's going inside of me and i wouldn't want other people to take part in this okay. I, that sounds quite e egoistic doesn't it but it's just like it is my world it is my job and as you say it is my office But it's it's much more personal than that. So I don't think I would, um, for now, leave other people creatively in that. No, I mean, yeah, I've just thought, thought of like support, you know, like an editor writing something down that, that you, I don't know, been thinking up and then some, send it to somebody else to, to, to post or like pictures to, to edit and we've, then post or something, that, stuff like that. We, we have this with Nguyen. You know, we have like a whole um, strategy and we have... Uh, You know, we have teams that help with this type of thing. But I think that's also where you see Nguyen as a as a brand. And even though, of course, Steffi is a brand as well, it's it's not it's not seen like that. It is kind of like what Steffi says. That's more her and it's her and more me. And that's that's that. But I think when you when you're building a brand uh, or a business, you for sure need a lot of help with those types of things. Have and it. I also think the big influencers, they actually do their content on their own. I don't think other people are posting for them because that is what is successful, I assume. People like to see real content, content that is happening in the moment that is relatable and that is not filtered through a thousand filters and super edited. And um, we more and more, we're craving this realness. So I don't think it's actually a good step to get people into an Instagram team. I, th I think just to add on to that, it's different for YouTubers because YouTube, you are editing takes so much time and creating video content takes so much time. So I think a lot of YouTubers move, will look to work with editors and people just to help with workloads. But But that's probably... Yeah, that's probably where it goes. Have you ever been back on YouTube? I mean, was it like you left YouTube for good? I never want to say I left for good. I just I just took a step back from the platform for then. You know, I still have like, I think I still have over 4 million subscribers on one of the channels. So who knows what will happen with that channel and what I'll do with it or if I'll ever upload to it. I don't know. Could you yeah, sell it? I mean, isn't there people like that? Like, whoa! I, can I can I buy your like channel? You're not using it anymore. Four million. It's probably worth like a lot of money. Would Would this be a good time to put it out on air if anyone wants to buy it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could we could auction uh, your old account. Um, no, so it's actually in in YouTube's now terms of service that you're not allowed to sell a channel. I did sell a channel, however, back in the day, what before I put myself on the channel on the on the I did another channel that I built up some followers to and I actually sold it to a German person mm -hmm. when I was 16 years funny. old mm -hmm. yeah like years and years and years How, ago for like a couple thousand or like a couple hundred yeah yeah 1500 euros okay um but you know I was 16 and it was yeah I was like 
yeah, of course, like I'm not going to use this channel. I don't know. It's super weird, but I felt kind of like I was on top of the world at that point when I was 16. <laughs> okay. 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 So what could I shop now at new in? I have to look. <laughs> I have to see, but but it's 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 unisex, right? I mean, it's for it's for um, men and women, right? Yeah, it's for it's for men's, women's. Um, we have activewear. We've got plus coming for plus size in in the summer. So we, like we said, we really want to make it accessible. So pretty much anyone will go onto newin.com and they will find something for them. Um, That, that's the goal. Maybe, maybe one last question that I, that I mean, I, I try to build up my little Instagram followership like now as a, as a B2B guy um, and, and, and being way too late. But I, I'm like, one thing that I'm thinking about is that it really depends on the frequency. I mean, if you put out too little, um, it's just not good enough. You have to like have a like, steady output and a high frequency. Is that something that, that you would agree with or is that something that also is, is true for your uh, game? Uh, it's it's a really tough one because it's like I've seen experiences in both. So like when back in the YouTube days, the more frequent I posted, the more growth I experienced. Whereas on Instagram, it's like I know for some people that's the case, but I also think if you're posting so much, you can also annoy people. I think it's whatever your audience become um, that they sort of follow you for. So if your audience land on you because They, they kind of like what you do and you post once or twice a week and then you go to posting twice a day nonstop in the stories that that might start to annoy that person so they might unfollow you mm -hmm. but I think it's different across every platform are, are you going to Coachella this year? No. Uh, I don't think so <laughs> but it's happening right it's happening is it? Uh, yeah is it? I'm not sure no they moved it to October Yeah, I mean the lineup's incredible. Yeah, and then they moved it. Uh, and they moved it to October, and uh, I mean it's out there. And it, it, I, I was wondering. I mean, it's it's always a big place for for fashion and influencer people, right? Yeah, yeah, it it, it is. Um, and we've been there like every year. Um, the typical influencer always there, but no, the lineup is legit so nice. So we we, we did want to go, but I don't think this year will be much traveling for us. Because, um, yeah, non-essential travels is just not something we want to do. Um, but one thing I, I want to say mm -hmm. for um, New In. So we actually didn't tell you that one of our strategy is that we will do co collaborations with influencers. So they will do their own collections for New In. That's oh. also one way how we want to grow because we really know and we saw it from other retailers that this is like the fastest and best and biggest and most, most authentic way to grow an audience for your brand. Okay, so, so, so who do you have in mind? Are there already like some collaborations that you are like working on that you can disclose? Well, Marcus is our master here. He's signing up all the influencers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we, it's a bit of a shame because a lot of the collaborations that we had in the pipeline had to be put on hold because of Corona, because... Mm -hmm. Um, some of our factories uh, closed, temporarily closed down. So we had to put a lot on hold. Um, but I don't, yeah, I can't reveal anyone now, but we for sure have a nice lineup of people who will come on board and 
either collaborate with us for promotion of the brand or will be bringing out their own collection with us. And that, that's that's global global people, not just German, not just UK, from all, all, all aspects of the globe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, Philip, you will definitely find some kind of clothing that you will like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I, I mean, I'll be following you, and then you know, hopefully, at some point, Marcus, you'll be sporting something that I can then shop. <laughs> hopefully, <That'll be> <laughs> yeah. cool. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, yeah. So, uh, hopefully, the Corona thing is going to go by, and and you know, you get your stuff up, and. You know, maybe Coachella is still happening. Who knows? I mean, I. I, I Are you going? No, I, I've never been there. I, I, I was thinking. Been? No, I, I thought I should go at some point, and then, you know, I, I was thinking about last year, and then I was, uh, it didn't happen, and this year, then it looked like that's, it's not real. But I saw the documentary at least. There's a really good documentary on. I think it's free on YouTube. That it says um, 20 years in the desert. I, I just watched oh. it. You should watch it. It's it's a great documentary cool. about Coachella and how it all began, and you know the very early years, why it's there, and the guy that founded it. Then he had to go to prison for drug trafficking for seven years, and it's really a weird story. And now it's yeah. so big. So if you like, you know, have some some time in the on the sofas, <laughs> then uh, maybe twenty <laughs> uh, years in the desert. I, it's a free promotion. I really liked it. Oh, thank you. Okay, I will out. take a look. And mm. you might think and say whatever you want uh, about Coachella, but I have to say I always loved it. I love the concept. I love the music there, and it's an actually very, very nice festival. Absolutely. I mean, it's. I mean, I'm a festival guy, as you as you know. Um, and it was it, to me, it's 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 inspiring to see how they did it and how they you know how they grew it, and it, it, it's very like. Credible, the German word "credible" or like legit. I mean, it's it's not. I mean, it's obviously it's a place for influencers these days. But I think mm. uh, that it's, it has the right spirit. It was very like a punk rock in the beginning, and then it, it shifted. But it's still the same crew. I mean, in the beginning, I didn't even know who's hosting and who's actually owning it. And um, mm. this is all in the documentary. Oh, that's cool. nice. Nice, thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you. Uh, hopefully you'll, you'll be around for for OMR 21. We do our yes. we we uh, you know pick up where we left off this year. That, that, that's, that's cool. That's nice. All right. <laughs> All right, team. Mach's gut. Yeah, Pass yeah. Auch. Und genau ja auch. Tschüss. Ciao. 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 <laughs>